I think I might be the ultimate version of Jason Latour because if there's another version, I will find him and kill him. And you are listening to the ultimate spin. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen Stacy. I went to a science demonstration, got bitten by a radioactive spider, and now have these amazing powers. To the residents of New York, I'm the dangerous vigilante called Spider Woman. But you know me as Spider Gwen. Now let's find out what I've been up to. Are you ready? Because it's time for the ultimate spin. That's right. This is Ultimate Spin. Welcome to the Spider-Man fan podcast that follows the ongoing adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. My name is Brian, and coming up in this episode, we'll take a look at the latest rumors about Miles' future, and then take a closer look at Spider-Gwen number 30, which kicks off a new arc called The Life of Gwen Stacy. My name is Jack, and as always, you've got a standing invitation to visit us at ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can learn more about us, find all of our show notes and follow along with everything we'll be discussing in this episode plus you can also download and stream the shows for pretty much every Gwen and Miles issue to date and if you're interested in going behind the scenes we've got exclusive interviews with the writers and artists who bring these characters to life and it's clear you love these books as much as we do otherwise why in the world are you listening to this so don't be shy we'd love to hear from you drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com and tell us what you think of the stories, the art, the characters, whatever's on your mind. We do the show to connect with our fellow fans, and we'd much rather talk with you than at you. That said, I think we're going to talk at you right now. We tend to, particularly me, yeah. I'm going to just talk, talk at people most of the time. We'll start with the news and news and quotes that uh, mm. Miles <laughs> seems to have been cancelled, which, no, is not true and this is all stemming from the solicitations that came out for june 2018 confirming that there was no miles book lined up after bendis's final issue of 240 to be honest this just seems like clickbaity rubbish would you agree brian it's just grabbing headlines for the sake of headlines because oh no it's a solicitation and yeah no i i agree with that and the problem with clickbait is it gives people the wrong impression and we had heard from some of you guys including a recent tweet from our friend m metz three uh who said do you have some idea what the plans are for miles or is marvel really following through with its diversity doesn't sell so let's just get rid of it I think that's referring to a very unfortunate statement that came from a Marvel exec. I think it was late last oh, year, um, which is just a bunch of garbage, really. No, Miles is definitely not going anywhere. He's actually got a busy June. He's going to be starring in The Champions, which is kicking off with the new creative team. And then he's also featuring in Venom issue number three by Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. And they just shared the cover for that uh, as part of the June solicitations, which is Miles facing off against a Venom type creature it's pretty epic picture from stegman my guess is with bendis leaving that's a good time to take a break i guess as part of this sort of fresh start relaunch that marvel has been doing yeah i think we were hoping for an announcement on this creative team and not getting it yeah on the one hand it's easy to read into that but on the other there's a movie coming out later this year and i can see like taking a break for a few months let miles kind of bounce around in other books and then start them off again this fall when it's closer to the movie release date. That would totally make sense to give them a new number one in time for the movie. That's a tried and tr- tested method, particularly with superhero comics over the years. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. And of course, we've got the whole rumors of him changing his name and things like that. So 
Yeah. Spider-Man, as we know it, may be gone, but I think we will keep a Miles Morales book, solo book, rather, including champions and things like that, hanging around somewhere with the, and I hate to say this, the dreaded Spy D nickname. (laughs) I don't love the name. I don't exactly hate the possible direction of taking him into some new territory. I don't think that's the worst idea, but I also don't think, I also can't see it happening because... With Bendis leaving, that leaves a gap. I'm sure the new team will want to start fresh. And as I'd mentioned before, you've got a movie coming out, so you're going to need some kind of synergy happening between the main book that you want to help sell and then the character is going to be appearing on the big screen. Maybe the Spidey thing could last for a little bit. I can't help but think that that window has closed. Time will tell. Time will tell. Don't take the word of solicitations as, as gospel. I think we'll be fine. Don't worry. Yes, rest assured, Miles Morales is not going anywhere. I suppose it's time we should start talking about Spider-Gwen issue 30, do you think, Brian? And you mentioned the accuracy of solicits. Um, (laughs) It seems that this one was solicited incorrectly as well. This is actually not a continuation of the Gwen Mark, no matter what the cover might tell you, but it's actually part one of the life of Gwen Stacy. So, it's another whirlwind issue. It might have been a while since you've read it. Let's recap the action. Gwen's alt-universe counterpart tries making sense of the situation. Impatient, Gwen swings away, seeks and fails to get help from this world's Reed Richards. Gwen returns to her counterpart and they bond over their shared grief and the need to move forward. They acknowledge the fear and potential of the future's infinite possibilities and the reader learns that we're actually in Earth 617. Meanwhile, the Watchers realize that Gwen's intent to kill Murdoch threatens the future of Earth 8. But who really pulled her out of the timeline? Charlotte and Max Morales Stacy try to attack the Watchers, but the real mastermind is revealed to be their mom, Earth 8's Gwen Stacy, now possessed by the Venom. What a twist. I had one of those cartoon, like, you know, head shaking, like, like at the end yeah. of it, like, whoa. Absolutely, absolutely. I was like, okay, we got the Watchers. The Watchers have kind of dipped in and out of this series. That's fine, that's normal. They've got two Gwens from two different universes interacting. Yeah, but well, I mean, the Watchers went when, from comic relief to actually now this is a this is a plot point. Yeah, yeah, that they've very cleverly done this. I think Jason, Robbie, and Rico have done this very cleverly, and they've seeded the Watchers and being like you said, Brian, this almost like comic relief style. Oh, don't fall asleep. There's more action coming up and stuff. All this like meta commentary. It really kind of was track going through, and then Max and Charlotte show up. What? What is going on? And then this all ties back to Kissing in a Tree, which is the Miles and Gwen crossover. Oh, wow. Okay. This is... They weren't kidding when this was like a real big... I think Jason says something on the lines of this story tells everything he wants to say about the character of Gwen Stacy. And, I mean, he's got three different versions of her. (laughs) For a Spider-Man-related book, it's very appropriate to have weaved a very complicated web here and this this is a tangled web of narrative for it sure. sure is and it's no secret i mean we love this book and you know you're listening to this so you do too as much as i love it i don't see how anyone is gonna jump in at this point this is this is it this is the final moment this is the payoff for i think sticking with the book for so long and it's it's getting good this is starting to feel like a finale and i know some of the team have kind of hinted at that as well intentionally or not this feels like this could be the arc that these guys bow out on and and say this is the story of Gwen Stacy that we've been wanting to tell this whole time and this is where it culminates. 
And sure enough, uh, the life of Gwen Stacy, we meet up with someone that appears to be the original Gwen Stacy. And I, I was so taken with this, the first few pages by the use of a, a filter on the artwork for original Gwen, I guess, that uh, she kind of has this effect on her to make her look like she's from an older, like faded comic book. Yeah, she looks like she's been printed on different paper to the rest of them. Exactly, the of the it's book. such a It's cool that old touch. newspaper kind of... Yeah, faded style that they had in the 60s and 70s, and even through to the 80s as well. I mean, this is putting our Gwen Stacy, you know, right face-to-face with the legacy that she's sort of living under. And then for the book to kind of do that as well with its uh, approach to its art style, with the filters here. And even in the diner they're in, in the beginning, I don't know if you picked up the framed photo that's hanging up on the wall. Oh, no, I didn't. No. So it's on the uh, second page, and he shows up in two panels. That is John Romita. Oh, John Romita Sr. Sr., and it is uh, from a self-portrait he had done. Steve Ditko had drawn the original Gwen Stacy, but John Romita's version is the version you're thinking of when you think of, like, classic, beautiful Gwen Stacy. I mean, that's... That's what this version is kind of based on. Right, with the headband and the long hair hanging down. That's the look. And so it was such a nice nod to have him in there. And as the book goes on, even the whole sequence with Reed... That is a nice throwback to Amazing Spider-Man number one. Uh, have you read that issue, Jack? Not in many years, no. It's really easy to find Marvel Unlimited, super cheap on Comixology or your library. Every sort of volume one or essential Spider-Man story. Spider-Man it's... Masterworks, I think, has it in as well. And the premise of that one is Spider-Man needs some money and he thinks, hey, maybe I can join the Fantastic Four. And he goes <laughs> over there. And they basically don't want to deal with him. We're not hiring. And that's what that nod was. It's a serendipitous touch because the month that this issue is released, it's actually the anniversary release of that issue. So that was actually 55 years ago. Um, So it was kind of a cool coincidence there to have classic looking read and the same kind of uh, trap that the original Spider-Man falls into. Like, no, we don't want to. And it's at the point where Reed has actually pre-recorded the message. I, I loved it. All of these kind of elements of this issue really come together in a nice way. I love how they're playing with your assumptions because right from 617 Gwen, where she looks like the one that we've all known and loved for years and sort of classic style of how she looks and how Peter Parker looks, Reed, there's a reference to the recent death of Captain Stacy, the Ramita picture. All of these things kind of play with your assumptions a little bit to kind of put you in that mindset and eventually set you up for the conversation that they're going to have. What I really like about that opening scene when Gwen and Gwen meet, <laughs> 65 and 617 meet, is that you really get this impression, just the physicality of, I'll call her Gwenum for the sake of argument, she's almost like an addict. She's like yeah. shuddering over her coffee and sheltering her face, flicking her hood up and just looks so kind of disheveled and you know you've got the the tears and all over clothes and stuff and she's just like you've got the prim and proper you know classic Gwen Stacy next to her and she just seems this she's paler she's got like yeah obviously the the shorter like punk look is kind of part of her vibe being in the Mary Janes but I love the physicality of her just hunching and not really looking the other Gwen in the eye at any given moment, apart from when she's just kind of staring past her hood and her fringe at one point. She's really got this kind of... That's how addicts behave when they're being confronted about stuff, and that totally makes sense, and she lashes out, and it's just fantastic seeing the dynamic and the 
the huge differences between these two people who are ostensibly the same person but have traveled such different paths in their lives that they're just so far apart and i think the way robbie and rico really conveyed that it was just fantastic it really kind of hit home to me straight away as how different these two women are and how important that's going to be to the story as well spot on and i i think they're both also ostensibly at their lowest points you know tied into their dads too you know they one has just lost hers and the other is seems to be on the verge of losing hers you mentioned the posture and 617 Gwen sits up straighter and more confident, more self-assured. And I also noticed she's physically taller too. So that was an interesting mm, little, yeah. you know, clue as well. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff I love that might fly by you the first time. But when you go back and take a second look, there's all, all of these great things just waiting for you to, to find out. It really, really rewards rereading. And I, I appreciate all the tiny little details and the subtleties that the team pour into basically every issue. And like you said, if you're, if you're reading it like on your phone, which this is how I read this issue and you, you wouldn't necessarily even notice certain things unless you're doing like zooming in and, and checking things out. And you've got the watchers trying to work out which, Earth is which, and there's like the tank, literally the the web of the universe, like across and stuff like that. What a beautiful graphic, too. Yeah, yeah. There's so many nice little like physical gags and stuff like that as well. Oh man, yeah. This this book rewards really paying attention, and I I really really appreciate that about it. I did like seeing the rendering of this universe's Peter Parker, especially in that kind of classic Ramita style. I think Robbie did a really great job here capturing those that that vibe and somehow still making it his own. Yeah. Even like seeing that old 60s uh, hairstyle. I mean, it, it was great. It's fascinating seeing because Robbie is one of the we've talked about this. I've mentioned this so many times on this show, but he's one of the more distinctive comic book artists around at the moment like you can recognize a robbie rodriguez drawing from across the room he's got that that style and that substance that he just pours into every panel every page and i was wondering because we'd seen some previews and obviously we saw the last panel of the previous issue of oh it's classic gwen or what, what we assume is classic gwen coming back how is his style gonna mesh together with like you said brian john romita senior's classic vibe and it's Robbie's kind of modern punk style kind of craziness it's full of neon pinks and and wacky sound effects and stuff like that and somehow he just absolutely nails this classic Peter Parker and classic Gwen dynamic and vibe and it makes it makes Gwenum herself stand out like a sore thumb and it really kind of shows how cool that design is and how out of place she feels just because how insane and over the top that design is compared to Peter Parker hanging around in his sweater and shirt and stuff. Right. And then there's Gwen behind the other Gwen in this pitch black hooded thing with a <laughs> yes. giant alien tongue and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> this isn't, you know, we haven't traveled back 30, 40 years into the past. This is still a Gwenum book we're reading. And uh, yeah, I love the the clash of the modern and classic styles 
I, I was wondering how Robbie was going to do it because he has such a distinctive look to so much of his work, but oh, he absolutely he... nailed it and blended them perfectly in a way that they purposefully don't blend in certain panels and it works. And it's just, yeah, fantastic. His version of Peter Parker was unbelievable. I think there's a, my favorite panel, uh, or one of my favorite panels is when uh, Gwen 617 is giving Peter a kiss and saying, you know, I can't hang out tonight. I need to get some rest. But that version of Peter is spot on Ramita. And I read, I looked at that. And I was like, all right, now you're just showing off. That was really outstanding. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> I mean, I feel like about this whole series. Well, now you're just showing off. Right. <laughs> Leave some for the rest of us. So then we get on to something that I was not expecting. I mean, we've gone from Gwenham. It's, it's Venom is still a presence, you know. Gwen still has the black suit and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of taken a backseat to what's going on with this dimension hopping stuff. And we've had plenty of transdimensional travel in this series before, as I mentioned, with Miles and Gwen crossing over with kissing in a tree back in the day. It's all tying back round, and we get more dimension hopping, and then six seventeen Gwen drops some quantum physics knowledge on us. I. <laughs> What? I could not get over this. So, and it, it was, I thought it was really well placed. So this whole thing of why am I doing what I'm doing? And, you know, how do I sort of navigate all of these feelings that I have? And I thought putting these two together was perfect because they're both, as we were saying earlier, kind of at the same or at a similar enough point where they've suffered an incredible loss and they're trying to figure out how are they going to move forward and why they're afraid of moving forward. I love the the conversation and even Rico's touch of having the sunset as Gwenham takes her turn to tell her side of the story. But 617 Gwen talking about she lost her dad and, you know, life goes on and it's beautiful and it's amazing, but none of it is going to bring her dad back. And seeing this other version of herself is reassuring that, hey, there's a million other ways life could go. And then, you know, our Gwen is explaining what this Gwenham thing is about and all the pain and hurt she's trying to navigate. And then, yes, it's it's segues into that uh, conversation about quantum superposition. Jack, as our resident physicist, can you explain the premise of Schrodinger's cat? I can. It's a simple kind of thought experiment that explains the concept of superposition. So in a broader sense, it is the observer of an experiment or an event directly affects the outcome of that event. By observing something, your observation changes the event's outcome to what you see so if you have a cat locked in a box and it's it's locked in a box with a radioactive substance of some kind that will eventually decay and release radioactive energy killing the cat but assuming it's a soundproof box and all that kind of stuff you don't know if the cat is dead or alive until you take the top off the box and have a look so by opening the box you essentially either kill the cat by just looking at it or the cat is still alive but if you don't open the box it is both at the same time and that's how a lot of the quantum mechanics and, and quantum uh, phenomena happen is that particles can be in two places at the same time electrons which are a part of the atom can be in two places at the same time and they're never actually ever in one place you just take a snapshot by observing them and things like this and yeah Gwen Gwen pretty much nails it in a in a simplified kind of way so what's the factor in determining the outcome opening the box so you said the observer 
Yes, you you as the observer, you opening the box. Or could you say you as the watcher? Uh, oh. See what you're doing there? Yeah. I think I see what they're doing. <laughs> so yeah, that you could say in a way that the watchers by observing they don't do anything but until they and when they act and start opening up portals and stuff they then start altering the fabric of the universe and you have all these characters dimension hopping and stuff like that if a tree falls in the wood and no one is there to hear it does it make a sound does it still make a sound or is the sound created by you being there and hearing it the quantum mechanics is is brain melting crazy stuff but yeah i think it works really well like you said brian as a as a commentary on the fact that this whole dimensional thing is happening and there's also like parallel universe theory is also a big thing in quantum physics in real life as well a lot of people um many physicists have thought about each decision you make creates a parallel universe of yourself and of course the marvel multiverse is an exploration of that and it's a thing that's kind of been touched upon in comics, but it's an interesting exploration by bringing the same character from different universes together. You're exploring that concept of how do the little things affect your way of life. Like instantly Gwen says, really, I never thought of my Peter that way. That's very interesting. Right. And just a little thing like that, that is, it could be a, a life changing difference. They could get married. They could have children. That's a huge decision and a huge part of Gwen's life. Or he could have just been a high school boyfriend or just a friend at school. But those little decisions, it's the butterfly effect that those little decisions ripple throughout your life and create the same person, but in a totally different way. And that's an interesting way of exploring it using both of these Gwens together. And it's beautifully executed, too, because it starts out this issue with Gwenham saying, you know, if this if there's a chance this is that Gwen Stacy, do I tell her? And as we were saying, like all the clues are there suggesting that she is. And then they have this conversation and we, as the reader learn, no, this is not that Gwen Stacy. So her future could go anywhere. For all we know, she could be Spider-Woman and she just kind of kept that to herself. We don't know. Or she could know that Peter is Spider-Man or Spider-Man could be someone else entirely. Who can say? It's it's an interesting thing to, to kind of explore. And then with that beautiful shot of them kind of silhouetted against the setting sun, which I think is just fantastic. Like you said, Brian, it really shows off the height difference and the posture difference between the two of them. Yeah, it just ties it all together. And then Earth 8 shows up. (laughs) And it's Max and Charlotte, yes! Oh my god. Characters I I never thought we'd see again, I'm going to admit. I will say it was was funny, and I thought the... The dialogue exchange was great. Like, they come in with this dramatic entrance, like, nope, time out for you dorks. But I I will say the first read-through, I was a little confused because I think it was the way that the scenes were kind of cut together. And the previous scenes, the watchers were talking about who kind of put this thing in, uh, in motion. And I was so caught up in the main narrative, I lost that thread so i found it a little jarring i was like what was going on did you have the same reaction or did you were you able to follow along no i had no idea what was going on okay that's okay <laughs> so it wasn't just me definitely not definitely not the question was who really pulled gwen out of the continuum where nobody knows where she is and we had assumed it was matt the dimension uh, device just happened to go off at the time but yeah it's it turns out to be spider woman mrs morales stacy 
Gwenum of Earth Eight. <laughs> yeah, she's Gwenumized. Oh my god! Or now Gwen- she's Venomized. Gwenum versus Gwenum, old old lady Gwenum versus young Gwenum. Oh wow! Yeah, a twist I would never expect in a million years, but that pretty much sums up this series. <laughs> it's had many twists and turns, and it is incredibly unpredictable in in some of the best ways. You see, I mean, over the years they've set out all of these plot points and set them to the side and so now bringing them back in this way every issue it feels like well how much higher can we take this how you know how much more can we ratchet up the intensity and then sure enough yeah they had earth eight gwen in their pocket all along and now's the perfect time to to bring her out and then to make her possessed as well holy smokes yeah think about it this way in in the last issue it was the it felt like, right, this is the climactic battle of Gwen's life so far. This is Kingpin Matt Murdock versus Gwen Gwenum. And that is a big, epic, game-changing fight that is going to be huge. Nope, there's a new version of Gwen, time travel, and transdimensional travel. It's like, okay, wow. Um, to where do we go from here? Oh, wait, another Gwen who is the Gwen you've met before with her kids, and she's also Gwenum, didn't see that coming. And you felt like, okay, like because the amount of times we talked about how awesome Matt Murdock is and how important that climactic battle with Frank and Matt, and it's all kind of culminating into this big moment, and then the stakes get raised five times. Like, <laughs> right. Suddenly, it's another universe's Gwenum out of nowhere. I'm... We've met this Gwen, but she we didn't either didn't know or she wasn't Gwenum at the time. What? There's like four twists in one. It's crazy. It's well, crazy. In the span of an issue, we go from fighting Matt Murdock 65 to meeting Gwen 617 and Gwenum 8, who was actually the big bad guy all along. What? <laughs> right. And that, and that was the thing, too. If you listeners remember all the way back to the sitting in a tree arc. And how Earth 8 was basically perfect. And everyone was, you know, the whole public was celebrating uh, Miles and Gwen's wedding anniversary. It was like a big event. And the Amazing 8 are like the ideal super family. Everyone knows yeah, and loves they're, them. Yeah, they're the super mega like Fantastic Four. Of yeah, well, exactly. And so for that perfect universe... um to go in this direction. So, and I guess it comes back to, uh, the Schrodinger's cat idea. It, you know, was it, and, you know, it was always perfect, but then this happened. And how did this, uh, sort of awful thing get put into play and start to affect the other universes? Was it, was it the watchers all along? Who knows? That's, that's the weird thing. Are we going to see miles from earth eight show up? And would he be on Gwen's side or does he not know that she's now Gwenum? At this point, like who knows? And you know, you have, you have Spider-Man in the mix and don't forget, uh, Craven is somehow part of the amazing eight and Aunt May's a supercomputer and like anything. Aunt May's a supercomputer. I'd forgotten about. Yeah. Right. Oh <laughs> the Mary God, Janes what? are still kicking around. Like anything could go. You, know, you just dropped they... that line. Like it was the most normal thing. Bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... And there's Craven and the kids and Aunt May's a supercomputer. You know how it is. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about that. Oh my God. Every, uh, sort of bullet point for this book is like, what oh yeah yeah <laughs> so speaking of transdimensional travel want to obviously 
classic comic book, give a shout out to the Kirby Crackle once again. Yes. Because I cannot get enough of that vibe. I cannot get enough of that look. No, no, no. Whenever the watches are present, whenever there's portals and bubbles showing up, we get that Kirby Crackle. And I love the final panel of Max and Charlotte outlined in this like energetic portal of bubble of energy with the Kirby Crackle echoing behind them with yeah, Gwenum 8, I guess, showing up through the actual blue portal itself. It was a terrifying mishmash of all these Gwen and Spidey design ideas. Yeah, she's so she's got the Gwenum like black suit, but it hasn't got the tongue as we know it. And she's also got like webbing coming up the bottom of her suit, I guess. I'm, I'm looking at the page right. as we speak and just trying to... But she's also got, you mentioned the classic green coat, which is the like an evil evil trench coat version of it and weird spider goggles that comp- or they sunglasses that like make her look really bug-eyed and weird and evil mm, and then rocking the gray hair yeah and then we also see the venom trickling across her face yes <laughs> like I, I assume she's going to transform at some point because Gwen can do the same the, the Gwen we know of 65 can do that as well she takes off the the mask hood, quote unquote, and then will transform into the more monstrous version. So will we get an even more crazy, monstrous, evil version of Gwenum in this form from Earth 8? I think we will. And those eyes are scary enough as it is. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that. What a crazy issue. It's all over the place. And yet there's this really powerful runaway momentum behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like how you're kind of, I don't know, left wondering who's on whose side at the end there because you really don't know what's going on. Right. And even even Max and Charlotte seem to not know what's going on with Charlotte saying, Mom? What? Yeah, right. What, <laughs> what's going on? We weren't expecting you here. Were they just kind of like messing around and being kids and then not realizing, realizing they were meddling in their mom's grand scheme of things? Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I have no idea where this is going, and I Oof. love that. I've said that about this. I think we say that every before. time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The unpredictability is something you can rely on, which is kind <laughs> of an oxymoron, but it works. <laughs> I like it. So one thing we can rely on is a three-word reaction to this issue or summary of our response. I was tempted, so I kind of have two. I was tempted by, oh, Gwen, Gwen, Gwen. <laughs> Which is kind of cheating, but I also want. What is happening? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it it, bl- it blew my mind. I think it was three different times. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm impressed by this issue and all the twists and turns that it had. How about you, Brian? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, the heart of this uh, issue was the conversation. So I went with quiet, thoughtful. It's surprising for that end. Uh, it's like, <laughs> what? I was going to say, the first like 15 pages, yeah. quiet and thoughtful. Sure. <laughs> and then it was like, all aboard the crazy train. Yeah. Quiet, thoughtful, and what? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, that is what we thought of this issue. But as always, we would love to hear from you guys. Drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com. Or shoot us a note over on Twitter. We're at The Ultimate Spin, hanging out on Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast, and over on Instagram at Ultimate underscore Spin underscore 
podcast. We are using the hashtags SpiderGwen, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man. If you want to catch up with our older episodes, refresh your memory on what was going on earlier uh, with this series, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search for Ultimate Spin. And of course, our pals over at Amazing Spider Talk, they have set up a new Slack to talk about everything Spider-Man, pretty much. And for the listeners who don't know, how does Slack work? What is Slack, Ryan? Because I'm I, I'm in there, but I'm not sure what's going on or how I participate or anything like that. I'm I feel like a a bit of an old man crawling in. But <laughs> hey, hello, folks. How does, how's the internet working these hello, days? Hello, fellow kids. Exactly. Yeah, I'm Steve Buscemi. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's it's actually pretty fun, and we'll uh, put a link on the show notes, and we've uh, we'll tweet it out as well. But Slack is a workspace app. It's free. Um, you can download the app for your phone and jump on. Um, so Dan has created a spider talk Slack. So there are all these, it's like a, it's like an updated version of the old bulletin boards, um, basically. Um, so there's different categories for Spider-Man. So there's the new comics, new podcasts, general news, toys, TV, movies, video games, collecting, and just jump in and you can just click a thread and it's just an ongoing conversation. You can share photos, video clips, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's a group of uh, Spider-Man fans and it's all things Spidey too. So there's Miles and Gwen and everybody uh, in, in the whole Spider family there. So yeah, ch- check it out. It's, it's a pretty good time. And speaking of Amazing Spider Talk, uh, we were talking about John Romita earlier. If you want to learn more about him and that era of Spider-Man history. Season two, episode one of the Amazing Spider Talk goes into that whole era in depth. Uh, And they even got Jerry Conway to sit in and chat with them. Jerry, as listeners might know, is the original killer of Gwen Stacy. (laughs) I think the Green Goblin's the original killer of Gwen Stacy. (laughs) Well, he wrote it, I should say. The one, he is the one true killer. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But that said, uh, the episode is called I'm So Pretty, and it goes into Romita's art style and what that brought uh, in terms of change for the direction of the book. They also have launched a new podcast series called The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where Kane and Matt are digging into lost classics, and they just launched their first episode, which is about Soul of the Hunter, which was the sequel to Craven's Last Hunt. Craven's Last Hunt is one of my all-time favorites. I didn't really know about the sequel. Me too. Me too. I really enjoyed the first episode of Untold Talks, actually, because as we've discovered, and as to to the chagrin of Mr. Dan Gavosden and Brian over there, I don't know my Spider-Man history very well. So the fact that Dan and Mark are educating me over on Amazing Spider Talk, and I've now got Kane and Matt to educate me on Untold Talks of the stuff that wouldn't necessarily be covered in a more kind of, these are the important moments, which is kind of what the Amazing Spider Talk guys talk about. It's cool. It's interesting. And I'm totally with you, Brian, that Craven's, it, it, that is an all-time great Spider-Man comic, and I had no idea it had a sequel. So, I am, um, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting delve into stuff that even probably hardcore Spider-Man fans probably don't know. And uh, yeah, I think even if you're a kind of a, I don't know, uh, what's the whatever the opposite of a historian is, <laughs> a whippersnapper. Filthy into, casual. And yeah, a filthy casual <laughs> Spider-Man fan like me, then uh, you'll get a lot out of it as well. And as Brian said earlier, most of these issues are pretty cheap on Comixology, so there's no real excuse to not go back and check them out and read through some classic Spider-Man and read along with 
Dan, Mark, Matt, and Kane as well. That's it for us for now, but coming up, Spider-Man number 239, his Sinister Six is turning on him, and his nephew can't turn a blind eye to his crimes. The Iron Spider is going down. But how far? And how far will Miles go to avoid losing his uncle again? And you won't believe what his parents are planning for his future. That actually sounded relevant. I'm amazed. Yeah, I think we're back on track. Just just in time to wrap it up, I guess. (laughs) And of course... Spider-Gwen, 31. Gwen's on a one-way road into darkness. If anyone can help her find her way back into the light, it's the other Gwen Stacy. But is the universe trying to save her, or does fate only hold one end for Gwen? At this point, for which Gwen? And there's another Gwen as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only Gwen can save Gwen from Gwen, (laughs) I think. (laughs) And as we get ready to say goodbye, it's important to note that we are all fans, and even if we don't love every issue, our thanks, as always, go to the creators for their hard work in making these characters and their books happen. We appreciate it. And our thanks to you for spending part of your day hanging out with us to read and talk about it all. Thanks for listening. Be well, and we'll catch you soon on The Ultimate Spin. 